Well, uh, today is, is Easter. It is April 4th. Interestingly enough, uh, Easter next year will be April 21st. In uh, 2024, Easter will be March 31st. Have you ever wondered why it is that Easter sort of floats around on the calendar the way that it does? The Easter can, can be uh, March 22nd all the way through April 25th. That's over a month, right? Like, when it comes to Christmas, December 25th, you're, you're pretty solid there, right? Like, when it comes to celebrating New Year's, January 1st, every single year, right? Thanksgiving, third Thursday in November, July 4th, right? Independence Day, every year, same day, right? Labor Day, Independence, or Labor Day and Memorial Day, like, the, the, we, they, they're sort of solid on the calendar. We know where they fall, at least in a month. When it comes to Easter, there's this big gamut over a month where, where it could fall. Do you know why? Um, there's the, the Easter uh, date is set each year based on, on a few things. The first is that it has to be on a Sunday. Makes sense, right? We read the Gospels and we discover that uh, it was on the first day of the week that uh, the Mary Magdalene and the, these other ladies, they go to the, the tomb in order to take care of the body of Jesus and they find the stone is rolled away and it is empty and Christ is risen. The first day of the week, Sunday, right? So it has to be on a Sunday. Um, around 300, there's a, a group of really smart guys in a church in Alexandria that decided that um, Easter should always fall um, uh, after the, the vernal equinox. It should always after, fall after the spring equinox. So um, Easter falls after March 21st. But the other thing is, is Passover. Uh, we know that Christ celebrated Passover before his, his death. And so uh, Easter happens after what we call the Paschal full, full moon. Right? This goes back to, to, to times uh, set in, in the Old Testament, and, and it relates to the full moon in the sky, which signifies uh, new creation and, and new birth. Now, Paul tells us in the book of Romans that, that through creation, God reveals the truth about who he is. That through creation itself, through what God has made, we actually experience the truth of who God is and what he's done. So much to the point that we are without excuse, Paul says. And so consider the moon with me for a minute. A full moon rises in the sky and you look up in the night sky and you see this big full moon up above you. And you see all the light that, that it seems to be shining down. But, but you and I know that the, the moon itself doesn't produce any light. Like the, the moon itself, it, it, it doesn't have any energy that shines down on the earth. It, it simply reflects the sun, right? The, the moon, it, it receives the rays of the sun and it hits the surface of the moon and, and it does two things. First, it heats the surface of the moon. That the sun or the moon in, in, the, in, in the full light of the sun can reach over 260 degrees Fahrenheit, However, in the shade or the, the dark side of the moon, it can get below negative 280 degrees. That's a big difference between darkness and light. And so light actually warms the surface of the moon, but the second thing the moon does is it, it reflects the lights of the sun on, onto the earth. So it's, it's reflective. Okay? Now, there are other things that God put in, in the, the sky above us that, that responds to light differently. There's these things called black holes. And essentially, they are dying stars that are collapsing in on themselves. And there is so much gravity at the center of these things that when light hits it, it actually can't escape. Like light hits a black hole and it's absorbed into it. It can't, it can't escape. 
The only way that we can detect a black hole is when we look up in the sky and we, we see there's this ring around it, this glowing ring. And see, what that is, is it's, it's all these particles in space that are being drawn in by this, this black hole's gravity. And these are, these are particles that have not yet been lost. These are particles that are, that are sort of dancing and they create this beautiful glow, don't they? It's a, it's a beautiful sight that we, that we see, and, and yet these are, are particles that are about to disappear forever. When we think about the truth of God, as Paul talks about, that, that the creation itself displays the truth of God. When you think about the truth of God, if, if the truth of who God is and what he's done, if it's like rays of sunshine going out into the universe... What are you in relationship to that? How are you, in in terms of receptivity to that truth, to those rays of light, are you like the moon? Where you receive that ray, those rays of sunshine, and they hit you, and they warm you, and they soften your heart, and they enlighten your mind, and you embrace that truth. Such to the point where it not only affects you, but it affects how you live, and it causes the light of God to actually shine out of you. Are you like the moon? Or are you like a black hole? Where the truth of God is shown on you and it makes absolutely no difference. That it is absorbed into your soul and it changes absolutely nothing. Or are you like one of those particles dancing around the edge of a black hole? And you're enjoying and you're basking in the light of God's truth for a moment. But it's not going to save you from your trajectory. It's forgotten tomorrow. When it comes to the truth of who God is and what he's done, does it actually make a difference? And let's be clear, it should. It should. The truth of who God is is the gospel. It is the true story. It is the good news. And the gospel story begins for us in creation. God created the whole universe. He created everything that you can see through a microscope or through a telescope. He created all of this stuff. And at the center of this universe, he created humanity. And he gave it a purpose. He gave it an identity. We were made in the image of God. We were made to reflect what God is like. The the whole universe is meant to look at us and see the truth of God. We were meant to look at one another and see the truth of God. To see his righteousness and to see his goodness and his truthfulness. We were meant to be image bearers of God. But that was completely changed through deception. You see, there was a a being that we call Satan. That's just a generic term. It means adversary. It means enemy. The name of this being is actually Daystar. And Daystar saw the glory that God was receiving in creation. That here was this being creating all of these things. And and, and the heavenly host is is applauding and praising God for all the cool things that he's making. And this Daystar is envious. And he wants what God is getting. He doesn't want to be a part of creation. He wants to be over creation. And so he desires to set his throne above the very throne of God. And he leads a rebellion, and he loses. He loses. And and the results of this is is he is like a, a, a black hole, like a dying star that's collapsing in on himself. There is a doom. There is an end for him. And yet, in this collapsing gravity, he is reaching out and pulling as many as he can to take with him, including our first parents. And he shows up in the garden, and he tries to convince them of a lie. God is not good. God is not righteous. God is not truthful. And they believe him. 
And in an act of rebellion, they reach out and they take hold of that fruit. And they disobey. And when they eat that fruit, something happens. They change. They look down and they see themselves as naked and they feel shame for the first time. And you see, this is the state of humanity. That because of sin, we are full of shame. And God comes and he, he, he enters into the garden and they, they hear him and they, they've tried to cover themselves up, but they can't. And so they run and they hide from God in the shadows. It's like God comes in and he flicks on a light switch and we become cockroaches that scurry for the corners. This is the state of humanity, a state of sin and a state of shame and a state of separateness apart from God. But God, but God, at just the right moment in time, he comes and he, he takes on flesh and he's born as we are born. And yet, he lives this completely different life that at every moment, in every second of the life of Jesus Christ, you could look at him and you could see an accurate picture of what God the Father was like. You would see his goodness and his righteousness and his truthfulness. At every second, you could see him reflecting what God is like. And on a Friday morning 2,000 years ago, he allows himself to be nailed to wooden beams. He allows himself to be killed by human hands. And like Adam and Eve in the garden, he was stripped naked. And he was raised up for the world to see. So that an exchange could be made. That he who knew no sin became sin so that you could know the righteousness of God. The exchange is made. Our shame goes to him. And his righteousness comes to us. But that's not the end of the story. Because three days later, God, with a power mightier than what it would take to bring a dead star back to life, reaches into death and brings his son out alive. And Jesus Christ is risen. And that's the truth. It's not a myth. This is not fiction. This, this is fact. This is the truth of the gospel. And it is something that is shining out from God into the universe. And the question is, what effect does it have on you? You see, the gospel doesn't change. God doesn't change. The life, the death, the resurrection of Christ, it doesn't change. What needs to be answered is, will you change in response to the truth? Will you be like the moon that, that feels the truth of God on your soul and it warms you and it enlivens you so much that that truth has to come out of you onto other people? Or are you like a, a black hole and that truth hits you and nothing? You see, if it's true, it should have an effect on us. It should change us. Please turn with me to Ephesians 5. We're going to be looking at verses 7 through 14 this morning. Um, for those of you who this might be your first time with us, we're really glad that you're here. We've been going through this book of Ephesians. And this, this letter is, is written by a guy named Paul who was a witness to a resurrected Christ. He knew that Jesus was, in fact, resurrected from the dead. And that completely changed his life to the point where he was willing to go to prison. He was willing to go to prison. In fact, this letter was written from prison because the truth of who God was had affected him so deeply. But if you will, please stand with me for the reading of Scripture from Ephesians 5. It will also be up on the screen. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. 
For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. You can be seated. The word therefore that kicks off this section of, of Scripture is a really important word. Whenever you see therefore, you need to know that it's a hinge word. It, it connects to, with, with what is, is about to be spoken with what has just been shared. And, and so very, very briefly, I, I want to I remind us of what Paul has just told us. That Paul, he's, he's about to build on. In, in Ephesians, he, he, he's, he's proven to us four things. He's shown us four things. The first thing is that apart from the truth of who God is, Outside of his light, we were dead spiritually, we were slaves to sin, and we were under condemnation of God. We were under the wrath of God towards us because of sin. More than that, we were alienated. We were outsiders. We weren't a part of his family. We weren't a part of his people. We weren't a part of his promises. And because of that, we were without hope. But God changes everything. God in Jesus Christ, he lives the life and the death and the resurrection, and all of that amounts to us being resurrected. It amounts to us having new life. It amounts to us being free. It amounts to us being justified. And more than that, it amounts to us being invited into the family of God so much that we get to call the God of the universe Father. And out of this, our identity has changed. We have a new identity. We are a new people. We put on a new self. We have a new walk. We have this new life. We're part of this new community. We're part of this new temple that's being built up. We have this new purpose. Paul says that over and over again, from beginning of chapter 4 to, to halfway through chapter 6, that there's this walk that we're, we're called to walk upon, that there's, the, there's this life change that happens, that the conduct of our life begins to be changed by the truth of this. And the fourth thing that he reminds us of, the end of chapter 4 and just before the passage we just read at the beginning of chapter 5, he warns us not to go back into the darkness. He warns us not to go back. And he characterizes the darkness. And he shows us that, that the hardness of heart leads to darkness of mind, which leads to deadness of soul, which, which leads to, to, to choices of, of, of rage and malice and, and, and wrath and uh, sexual impurity and all sorts of other things, including greed. And, 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 and it amounts to all of this stuff. And he's saying, don't go back into that. You've been rescued from that. You've been slaved from that. Why would you, why would you go back? So here we fall into this chapter where he says, therefore, and he's going to build on what he's already said, for at one time you were darkness. You were darkness. He doesn't just say, you know, you were in the darkness. He says you were darkness. He says you are defined by darkness. It was your identity. You were a black hole, and the truth of God had no effect on who you were. You were a black hole, but now you're light. Now you're different. Now you're like the moon. Now the truth of God, it hits you and it warms you and you can reflect that to the rest of the world. Now you're different. So walk as children of the light. If the truth has made a difference, live like it. Verse 9, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And here Paul switches metaphors on us. 
He goes to sort of an agricultural metaphor, and he, and he has this picture of a, of a tree in mind. Throughout Scripture, we see the same sort of me- metaphor. You know, growing things, they, uh, there's this process called photosynthesis, and the light of the sun hits a plant, and it is, it is designed to produce something. And when given enough sunlight, the right plant, according to its design, will produce fruit. And the thing is, is that's true of you too. You were made with a purpose. And when the truth of of God hits you, it should produce righteousness and goodness and truth. Verse 10, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Um, At the beginning of of chapter 5, he says that uh, we are to imitate God. Here he says, do what's pleasing. Earlier on, he says that we are to identify uh, God as, as Father. And, it, and it's, there's this picture of, of a child raising his arms up to its father, wanting to be like him and wanting to please him and wanting to make him proud. And this is the heart posture that we have. There's a, a, another um, scientific thing that happens to plants as they grow. It's called ideolation. And what that means is when, when it hits or when it sees sunlight or when it uh, experiences sunlight, the plant itself grows towards the sunlight. Then it begins to stretch out its arms and stretch out its limbs and its stems towards the light itself. We do this in response to the goodness of God for us. Verse 11, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Referring back to that picture of of a plant. If a plant is in darkness, it's not going to produce fruit. And here's where he says that that this this change that's happened in you, this truth that has changed you, it's supposed to shine out of you. Like, it's not just supposed to warm you. You you need to understand that if you've experienced the truth of who God is, and, and you have been saved by him, that's not something you just hold on to, and you hold up inside of you and never let go. That's something that's supposed to pour out of you. What God has done for you, he wants to do through you. And so he says, expose the darkness. There's darkness all around us. Expose the darkness. Expose what is there and and allow people who are in darkness to come and to see the light and to experience light and step out into the light. Expose the darkness. Verse 12, for it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. I feel like this is the trap that so many of us as Christians fall into. That we are so comfortable with sitting around talking about the darkness. Talking about everything that's wrong in the world. Talking about all the sin. Talking about all the corruption. We're we're comfortable with talking about the darkness and never doing anything about it. Verse 13. But when anything is exposed by the light... It becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Are we like the moon? Do we experience the truth of who God is, and does that have a profound impact on us so much that it, it is reflected by us into the world that's dark all around us? Or are we like a black hole, and the truth of God doesn't even make a dent? It makes absolutely no difference for us at all. James 1.22 says this, Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Deceiving yourselves. The reality is, is you can come to a place like this on a Sunday morning and you can hear these words and you can nod your head 
in full agreement with them. But here's what he says next. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and he goes away and at once forgets what he was like. You can come to a place like this and you can hear the gospel proclaimed to you. And you can nod your head and it's true. Yep, that's right. It's true, it's true. And tomorrow morning you're like, what's true? Because this whole thing, it's, it's something that is superficial to you. It's something that you do. It's a behavior that you occasionally participate in, but it's not an identity. It's not who and what you are. Because the light of God, the truth of who he is, it hasn't changed you. It hasn't. Are you like the moon? You know, the reality is, is there's a whole world that, that looks at Christians, and not only is it asking if Christianity is true. The world outside is, is looking at you, and it's looking at your beliefs. It's, it's not only asking if what you believe is true. It's also asking if it matters. It's asking if it works. It's asking if this belief that you have actually makes a difference in your life. Are you like the moon? Completely transformed by the light of the sun. If the answer to that question is no, then I pray with all the power of the Holy Spirit that, that now the eyes of your heart would be opened. I pray that you would be able to comprehend with all the saints, what Paul says earlier, with the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses all understanding. That your heart would be softened, your mind would be enlightened, and that you would be able to receive this truth. Because here's what Paul says next. Awake, O sleeper. Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. You need to know that the power of God at work to resurrect his son can be at work to resurrect you. That the power of God at work that could reach into death and bring his son out alive, that can be at work in you. That there is no black hole, there is no gravity that could pull you or can crush you or that can hold you back. There is no place that the power of God cannot reach in and ransom you and rescue you out of that. There's nothing that would stand in the way if you called out. Paul says in Romans 10, if you confess with your mouth and if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. To confess that he is Lord, to confess that he's in charge, to confess that he's the one who now gets to have the rights over you, that he gets to reign and rule over you, to confess with your mouth that he is Lord, and to believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that this is not a myth. This is not fiction. This is the truth of what God has done for you, and it makes all the difference in the world. And see, if you believe that, then this tank can be filled for you. Look, there's nothing magical about this. It's a cattle trough. The water isn't special. What it does is it proclaims a message. The message that your sin and your shame can die with Jesus at the cross. 
It could be buried with him, and you could be brought to a new life and have a new identity, part of a new family, and become a new creation with a new purpose of shining the light of God to the rest of the world. And that could happen for you. Paul goes on and he says, For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Do you hear that? You won't be put to shame. The cross of Jesus Christ ransoms you from shame. What Jesus does at the cross takes you out of shame. The truth of who God is removes shame from your existence so that you can walk in the light of God. No more hiding. No more shadows. That's the truth of God. You see, all those people that got up there here this morning, and they, they were willing to get wet. You should, you should hear what they have to say. They have not been put to shame. They have not been. It works. It makes a difference. That the light of Christ shining on you can completely change your life. The truth of God is emanating out into the universe. And it doesn't change. And the question that stands before you, will it change you? Be the moon. Be that thing that, that embraces it and that accepts it and allows it to completely change you. Be the moon. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what this day means for us. A couple of days ago, we celebrated Good Friday, and we literally celebrated the worst day in human history. A day where all the sins of humanity were poured out on your son where he willingly bled and died and absorbed the wrath of you in his own flesh. And yet from the very worst day in history comes the most monumentous victory. Our shame is killed with Jesus. Our sin dies with Jesus. And you give us new life in the resurrection. Father, I pray if there's anybody here this morning that truth is beginning to make a difference in them. That they would cry out to you. That they would be willing to confess that you are Lord, that you are in charge. And that they believe the truth that you are living and seated at the right hand of God. Look, if that's you this morning, as the band plays, I'm going to be waiting outside right outside those double doors and to the left in the corner. If you want to talk to somebody, I'd love to talk to you. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.